thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Wow, what a powerful time of worship this morning, amen? Can y'all give it up for the band this morning? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. They did a great job. Awesome. You know, I want to give one more shout out and a big clap and shout for those who are serving this morning in our nursery and back in our kids' church. And then also, a lot of people don't get to see all the work that they do, but the people that are running the sound this morning and the people that are running all the technology. Can we give them a big shout and a hand clap? We appreciate you guys. Um, Y'all make us look good and sound good, and uh, they're always behind the scenes. My dad was always one of those guys that uh, just wanted to be a behind-the-scenes person, and and he, he was always so needed. And you just didn't know how much you needed them until they weren't there. And then you're like, my goodness, they're so valuable. So we always need to take some time, and, and uh, if y'all would, just give them a, a handshake or a high five after the service and tell them how much you appreciate them. Um, we are, you know, I wanted to get up here and just do this. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I just didn't prepare this week, and I'm not very excited about the message. So uh, you get what you get. <laughs> Because I felt like I'm a broken record every time I come up here. I'm like, I'm excited. Are you excited to hear the word? Because I always am genuinely excited about this. And, and, and then sometimes I look at you guys and y'all seem like you're not as excited as I am about it. So I was going to flip the script a little bit and just be like, I'm, I'm, I'm just a loser. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, well, I'll give you what you get. But anyway, I am excited about being in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm excited about being with, yeah, there you go, woohoo! That gave you a little, little hip shake right there for that one, awesome. <laughs> Listen, if you have your phones this morning, get out, get on social media, check into the Exchange Church this morning. When you do, you're going to be help providing shoes for, for kids. You can do the hashtag souls for souls and, uh, or hashtag give shoes. It's, uh, it's just an awesome thing that we get to partner with organizations like this, and um, it also helps get the word out about our, our church and our family here, and you just never know who's, who's looking on your social media, and they may have some encouragement. They may look at that link and, and click on us live this morning here, uh, because we are live streaming on Facebook, and, and they may click in and just hear something that they needed to hear, a word from God, and so uh, please, please do that this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out and turn to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, and what we're going to do today is start a new series. Um, we have been going through several series since the first of the year, 
And we just decided that it's time for us to, as a church, to come together and really talk about who, who are we as the Exchange Church. And so we're going to start a new series this morning called I Am Exchange Church. And so I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say those words with me, okay? One, two, three. I am Exchange Church. That was good. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. I am Exchange Church. And in this series, we're going to talk about who we are. We're going to talk about what are our core values. What, what is it that is important to us as a, as a group of people? And in Matthew chapter 16, I want to start out with this because Jesus gives us revelation about his church. And in Matthew chapter 16, it's recorded in verse 13 that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, this is what he asked them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you, you guys that I've been walking with, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And understand that everybody was not saying that. Everybody had different opinions. Um, a lot of people just didn't believe that he was the Messiah in that day and in that time. But Simon Peter says, no, I know. I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says to him, Blessed are you. You're blessed, my brother, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't hear this from somebody. Somebody didn't just tell you this and you believed it. He says this, But my Father who is in heaven, that's who you got this revelation from. And he says, I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You see, in the scripture, Peter makes this statement. He has this awesome revelation in his day, in his time, which was counterculture. I mean, this was something that a lot of people weren't believing, especially the Jewish people. And he says, no, I do. I do believe this, that you are the son of God, that you are the only one that can close out this old covenant and take us into the new covenant, that you are the only one that can truly reveal the heart of the Father to us. And he is now saying back, Jesus says, Peter, upon what you just said, upon that rock, that individual statement right there that I am the only one. He says, I am going to build my church. And then Jesus says, and this is going to be an unstoppable force. I'm building my church. It is my church. I'm the one who's building it. And as this church starts to go forth, it's going to be unstoppable. As this church goes forth, there's nothing that's going to be able to, to, to make it stagnant. It's going to take over. It's going to expand. Not even the enemy can keep my church from doing what I need it to do. And the first thing that I want to show you this morning in this revelation is this, 
that when we talk about the church, that you need to understand that Jesus is the builder of his church. Amen? In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor right now. Say, neighbor, Jesus is the builder. He's the builder of this church. In fact, somebody give somebody a high five right now and say, Jesus is the builder. There you go. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus is building his church, the next question is this, then what is he using to build with? Obviously, he's not talking about brick and mortar. He's not talking about drywall and sheetrock. He doesn't even talk about wood or steel. That's not what he used. To find out what the Lord builds with, you have to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And it's recorded here that you are the living stones that are being built to, you, to, to build a spiritual house. So what is he building his church with? Living stones. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, living stone. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, hello, living stone. You see, you guys are the living stones that he takes. And think of a, of a wise master builder, somebody that it's not their first rodeo. It's not their first time to be building. They know what they're doing. Jesus knows what he's doing, and he is strategically taking people. People are the living stones. You and you and you and you are all living stones, and he is building his church, and he's strategically taking each one of us and placing us where he wants to. And as I look out this morning, I see lots of different stones. I see different living stones. I see some of us this morning are some taller stones, right? And we got some shorter stones. We got some male stones and some female stones, right? We have some different looking stones. We have some white stones and some brown stones and some black stones. And you need to understand this morning that where, whatever you are, we celebrate who you are, we celebrate your diversity, and we recognize that we need you here at this church because Jesus placed you here. He strategically placed you here. It's not on accident. You see, we need some stones in this house that got some faith. We need some stones in this house that have some passion. Oh, we got two people that got passion up in this place. We need some stones this morning that have some compassion, some people that are living stones. And I want to point out that he doesn't just say that we're stones, but we're living stones. There's life in us. There's passion in us. There's fire in our bones. You see, we should know that God is building his church and he's doing it with living stones. And guys, this morning I came to ex- uh, encourage you and let you know that you are here on purpose. I'm not just somebody who, it, it's to get this attitude to say, I'm not just somebody who attends this place and it's just kind of by accident, but it's for us to take the ownership this morning and say, I am exchange church, that, that God is building his church, that Jesus takes ownership of his church, and he's building it with living stones, and that means that we're not here by accident, that God has placed us here on purpose for a person. Guys, I'm here today to let you know that God is the master builder, and there is strategy involved with you being here. There's purpose to it, right? 
It's not just you showed up here because you didn't have anything else to do or you were really, really, really struggling. That may be part of it. But also part of it is that God has a plan. And you are part of that plan. God is looking for somebody here this morning to wake up and say, wow, it is awesome to be a part of strategy. It's awesome to be a part of what God's doing in the earth today. It's awesome to be a part of the Exchange Church in Humble, Texas, to acknowledge that God's hand is upon my life, and I'm ready to do, God, whatever you ask me to do, wherever you call me to go, whatever it is, Lord, I'm here with you. I'm not here by accident. And I want to say this to you this morning. We as a church... When you hear that word church, I want you to associate that word with another word, family. We are family. We here at the Exchange Church are a family. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're my family. Come on, now look at your other neighbor, and it's going to be a little awkward because you didn't pick them first. (laughs) But say, I guess you're my family too. Now think about this. If God didn't intend for us to be a family, why did he call himself father? He called himself father. There's a reason for that. It's because he intends his church, us, to be family. See, God is a father. He's a good, good father. He's a perfect and loving an incredible, amazing father. And if he is father, then we are his children. Thus, that makes us family. You are my brothers and my sisters. You are my family. And I want you to know that as a family, when we come into this place, then this place should feel like home. Because a family lives in a home. And what does a home represent? A home should be a place of safety. We want you to know that the Exchange Church, when you come here, it's a place of safety. A home represents a place where it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to have comfort in this area of your life. It's okay. You can come in here and you can find security. You can come here and you can find rest. You can come here and you can find encouragement. Matter of fact, this place above anything else, this home, we are a family. This is our home. It should symbolize a place where you say, I belong. And God gave me a specific word for somebody here that's been struggling because you need to hear this word this morning as confirmation to you. And I don't know who this is for, But God told me to tell you that you belong here. This is your home. This is your family. You belong here. Here at the Exchange Church, we love you. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. And listen, it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. We don't care about the mistakes that you've made. Matter of fact, we don't care where you come from, what side of the tracks you came from. We don't care the color of your skin, the magnitude of your sin. It doesn't matter. God wants you to know that you belong here. Let me read a passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. 
And the Apostle Paul writes this. Please, I'll put this up on the screen. Track with me because this is so powerful to us as a family. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of, come on, his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself. He is our chief cornerstone. In him, in who? In Jesus. In Jesus, the whole building. And again, this is talking about brick and mortar. Come on, somebody. This is talking about the living stones. You and me. In him, the whole building is joined. How? How are we joined? Together. Together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, and in him, you too. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you. You two are being built. How again are we being built? Come on, somebody, together. We're being built together to become a dwelling in which God gives us by his spirit. By his spirit, he's doing something here. And what God has been doing is been joining us together. And I'm telling you, there's some things that are going on in our lives, there's some things that are going on in, in all of our circle of influence that have been trying to tear us apart. But come on, God is building us, not taking us apart, but he's bringing us, come on, together. And we're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about why it's so important that we come together, that we grow together. And before I jump into that, though, let me just read the message translation of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Follow on the, the big screen with you. This is amazing. He says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. Listen, you don't have to feel like a stranger when you come here. Come on. You don't have to feel like an outsider. He says, you belong here with as much right to the name as Christian as anyone else. God is building a what? A home. Come on. God is building a what? A home. This is your home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you. Come on, brick by brick, stone by stone. Talking about some living stones, some stones with some life in them. Come on. With Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together, we see it taking shape. Day by day, it's a holy temple being built by God. All of us are being built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Come on, this is your home. And when I think about the word home, I think about my first home. When I was a kid, growing up with my, my mom and dad, living in their home. I had a place in that home. And I, I remember there was a, a phrase that they would say to me, and this is a phrase that's familiar to just about everybody here. You'll, you probably heard your parents say this, but, but they would say these four words to me, especially before I would leave the house. They would say, Kevin, remember who you are. Did y'all ever hear that before? Especially when I started dating Lisa in high school. I was about to go on a date. Right before I got to the door, my mom or my dad would shout, Hey, Kevin, remember who you are. Now, there's a couple things, a couple reasons that they said this to me. 
the first one is, is, you know, depending on the tone of voice. Hey, Kevin, remember who you are. That, that to me was just them signifying my identity and being their son, right? Remember that you're Kevin Kelts, son of Kelly and Penny Kelt. Remember that you're our son and that we love you unconditionally, that you have identity and that when you walk out of this place, you should walk out of this house with your head held high, right? That was in there. But sometimes there was a little different tone to it because I always tended to get in a little trouble from time to time. And so my mom or my dad would say, Kevin, remember who you are. And when they would say that, it was because they were referring to my reputation, they're referring to my rep, and not just my rep, but what the Celts family name stood for, because they were reminding me that I'm a Celts, and that in our community, that we had a reputation, and it was a good reputation. So Kevin, by the choices that you choose tonight, please remember who you are, and that the things that you say, come on somebody, and the things that you do Line up with what we represent. And not just what the Celts family name represented, but they reminded me that when I went out and I was around a, a, a circle of people, that I was also represented the name of Jesus, right? Because that was just something that I was brought up in. And so they were saying, remember who you are. Remember that you're a Celts, but remember that you're representing Christ Jesus. But also remember that you're building your own reputation because, Kevin, the things that you do and the things that you say, they're going to build the way that people look at you. And so this morning, I want to talk about what our reputation and what this morning the exchange church, when we say that you're home and that you're a part of this family, you need to know that this morning we have some core values. There's some things that in the next several weeks we're going to be going through what those core values are and what when people hear that, oh, you, you're a part of the exchange church, we want them to be able to know that we all represent some core values that, that they would look at you and they say, oh, yeah, hey, I've heard about you guys. Or, oh, man, I know about the Exchange Church. Those are people who have a reputation. You guys are known for being generous. You guys are known for offering grace. You guys are known for loving without limits. We want to talk about in the next couple weeks about what our eight core values are. And so please don't miss any of these, and if you do, jump on Facebook and watch it and, and take notes and write these things down. But these, what we feel, are if you're walking out these eight core values, you actually are going to be taking hold of the responsibility that we have as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, not just in this house, but come on, in the kingdom. Amen? So, the first core value that I'm going to jump right into today and I can tell you that this one is pretty radical. This is something that's very counterculture today. Uh, it probably goes against everything that you've been taught as an American, but here's the deal. What if I was to tell you that God has already provided something for you, and if you embrace this thing that God's already provided for you, and you walk in this thing that God's already provided for you, that what if I told you you would be able to overcome all the fear, you'll be able to overcome failure and frustration and fatigue. 
that in this thing that he's provided for you, that you would be able to experience the full life, the abundant life in Jesus Christ now, and you would be able to experience, not later, not sometime later, but now. What if I told you that? Would you be interested? Well, that's our first core value. I'm telling you, it's, it's accessible to you today, and it's found in community. You see, the first core value that I want to talk to you today is this. I'll put it up on the screen for you. We believe that we thrive in community. We believe that we thrive in community. And I say that this is a core value and that it's very radical and counterculture because this is the thing we as Americans embrace independence. Right? Our country was founded on a declaration of independence. Not just a declaration of, but we call it the. Right? And we are proud of it. And I'm not downing our declaration of independence. I'm just saying, think about that. In America, we're taught it's all about you. You don't need to be interdependent. You need to be independent, right? That that you need to do it on your own, to have an idea, to say, you know what, if I can only just get independent in my finances, or if I can get independent relationally, or if I can just get independent in every part of my life to where I don't need anybody for anything, then I'll just be happy. And I can tell you today that we live in America where there are tons and tons and tons of people who are actually experiencing independence at so many levels, and we've never had so many unhappy people in our country. Answer is not independence. It's not saying, I want to do it all my way, on my own, by myself. It's not putting up this mask saying, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'm doing good, although we're not really doing good. It's getting to the place where we tear down those walls. We stop keeping people from an arm's distance, and we say, you know, the answer to true happiness and joy and contentment, peace, is not independence. It's community. Because we need each other. We need a home. We need a family. We need one another. And I really don't like the fact that it seems like the world gets this better than the church. In fact, I was watching a commercial the other day. I don't like the fact that Facebook gets it better than us. This commercial that I saw the day, and I'll, I'll just show it to you right here. Check this out, and we'll talk about it in just a second. together. I love this commercial because it represents the idea of community. I mean, they get it. They're saying, you need to find your group. 
You need to find your community that you can't do. Listen, they get it. They understand that we've been connecting people, but it comes to a place where you start to go, I can't do live just thumb to thumb on Facebook. At some point, I'm going to have to step out and get to face to face. And when you get face to face and start to develop those real relationships where it's just not on a social media platform, but you're really doing live together face to face, that there is strength in that, that there is power in that. And this this Facebook commercial, it says, you know, find your group where they're skipping rocks on a lake group. They show there's a rock climbing group. There's even a group for people who want to rock the rocking chairs on the front porch group. They're just like, find your group. And this is what it's speaking to. And I want you to understand today that life is found in community. In connecting with one another, life is found in connections. You can truly thrive when you find the right people, and it's true, and that's why it's part of our core value. That's why we need to make it a priority in our life. At the Exchange Church, listen, we value community. Look at your neighbor and say, we value community. We do. Matter of fact, this is what Paul tells the church at Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I'll put it up on the screen for you. For by grace... Given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That's just rather just talking about just right way of thinking in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same functions, so in Christ we, everybody say we, Although there's many, look around, there's many of us, we actually form one body and each member belongs to each other. And I love the way that the New Living Translation translates that last part. We don't just belong to one another, but they they translate it, we need one another. Guys, we need each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Come on, it's going to be awkward again, but you didn't choose this other one first. Look at the other neighbor and say, I need you too. Guys, we really do need each other. But the thing is, many of us don't live this out because we have got sucked into this American mentality of independence. It's this filter in our head that says, I can do everything on my own. I don't need anybody. Oh, moment, I let somebody into my life. They hurt me. And life is just about not going through life with people. I just need to be by myself. And guys, that's not true. I want to give you five really quick questions, uh, reasons why we do need community. And the first one, if you're taking notes, write this down. I'll put them up on the screen. They all start with W. I need others to walk with me. This is why community is so important. I need others to walk. Everybody say walk. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, Paul writes, Therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. All throughout the Scriptures, you will find that our journey in life is referred to as a walk. Everybody say walk. And guys, as we walk on our journey, we're told in the New Testament to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in wisdom, to walk as Jesus walked. Look at your neighbor and say, walk. And I can tell you that when you walk with Jesus, 
that means that you got to be moving. Because this, this uh, uh, church that Jesus is building, it's not standing still. It's not sitting down. It is doing some things. It's taking some ground. And we are doing that. We're walking. We're moving forward. And I will tell you this, in your walk, on your journey, in your walk, God's plan was never intended for you to walk alone, to, for you to walk in isolation. I'll say that again. God never intended for any of us to walk alone. Matter of fact, there's a lot of reasons that we don't walk alone. First one, it's just more safe. There's safety when you walk with others, right? You remember being a little kid, walking down a road by yourself, it was late at night, and you looked down that, 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 um, that hallway there, and it was dark, and what did you want around you very quickly? You wanted some friends, you wanted your mom and dad, you wanted others, why? Why did you want that? Because, yeah, there was fear to overtaking you, and there's safety when you get more people with you, right? And when more people are walking with you, all of a sudden, they can be able to speak to you and over, help you overcome that fear, help you now have some, some, some safety when you walk in your life. Also, it's supportive. When you walk in life with others, you'll have people who will build you up when you're feeling down, people who will love on you when you're not feeling love, people who will support you. Do I have anybody here that's ever ran a marathon before? Marathon? I know I got two back there that run marathons. Carlos and Smyrna, Castellano. Listen, I just hats off to you, give you high fives. You know, anybody that says, let's go run 26 miles for fun, I don't get it. I just don't. But I've talked to people that run marathons, and they say that there's a point about the 20-mile mark when they really start to look at the fans who are lining the road for encouragement because they're thinking about quitting. They're thinking, I, I just don't think I can go any further. And about mile 22 and mile 23 and mile 24, when they have those people going, you can, Carlos, you can do it. You're amazing. Don't quit. You're going to do it. You're going to break your record. Oh, Smyrna, I can't believe it. You're unbelievable. How are you so far ahead of Carlos? I can't believe this. He's got to be. No, it's okay, Carlos. You'll catch up during the next race. Ah, yeah. Guys, I can tell you, I remember running track and running a race and wanting to give up. And I'm not talking about just a track meet. In life, running my race, wanting to give up. And then I get a phone call from my best friend. It's like, man, I just want to let you know I love you. You're amazing. Thanks, Jared. I really needed that right now. I thank you for your support. I thank you for, for helping me run this race and go a little bit further. See, that's a truth in life that we need other people. We need support from one another. We can't just do this on our own. There's safety in others. There's support with others. And guys, it's just smarter. Don't be a dummy. Dummies do it on their own. They think they know everything. But Proverbs tells us that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. It's a smart way to walk out in life. When you have other people speaking into you wisdom, when you have other people who've been further down the path than you have, and they look back at you and they say, hey, son, hey, hey daughter, don't go down that, that path. 
It only leads to destruction. And you're like, wow, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. It's just smarter. And listen, I'll tell you this. When you're walking in your life or even when you're running a race, have you ever noticed that people walk at different paces or people run at different paces? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you look at me and my wife, I mean, I'm six foot one. She's five foot five, four. And we walk at different strides. We have different strides. We have different paces even when we walk. And it's true if you even walk, watch a race, you know, like Smyrna's way out in front of Carlos, and you're like, wow, man, she has an incredible pace this day. But I say that to say this, guys, that in your life, you need to be doing life in community that you have people who have a quicker pace than you, who are further down the road than you. You need to have those people in your life, amen, who can look back and say, hey, because, you know, Carlos and Smyrna are way out there in the, the marathon. They're like, hey, Kevin, <laughs> call me on a phone. You're 20 miles behind us, but you're going to be able to make it, son. You're going to be able to do it. Come on. Come on. You know, listen, my wife and I, we've been married for over 20 years now. There's people who are just in the first, second, third, fifth year of their marriage that we can talk to and communicate to and have those people in our lives and say, listen, We've been down this road before. We've, we've, I, I, I had a conversation this last week where I, I, I said, listen, I drove my wife to a mental, her first mental breakdown, complete mental breakdown. It was mostly my fault, right? And I was able to, to encourage and say, but we made it through that. You need those type of people in your life, but also how many know that you, all, you are in front of somebody, walking at a quicker pace, and you need to have people in your life that are not as far along as you, that you're pouring into their life. Amen? These are things that we need to have, different paces. Run your race, but encourage other people. Be encouraged. Don't have this independent spirit. But also, here's the thing, we need to have consistency in our connections. We need to have consistency in community. We can't just have a one-hour time together once a week where we do that. Guys, I'm telling you right now, if you are only relying on connections with people inside of your family, which is the Exchange Church, and the only connection that you have is Sunday morning, you are starving right now. You are missing out on life right now. It has to be more than just this. There has to be somebody where you find another family or two families or three families where you start doing life together and you start caring about their kids and about what's going on in their life and you start doing life. Listen, the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now that's a healthy, that's a healthy family. When we are together, we're doing life together, we're spurring one another on to love and good deeds, amen? That's good. And then he says this, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I know a lot of pastors, and I myself have been guilty of this, have used this to get people to guilt them into church attendance. But in the context, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about doing life connecting with one another, and it needs to have some consistency together. You need to be in a habit of meeting with one another, breaking bread with one another, going to each other's kids' soccer games together, doing life 
together. Community is not found in rows. It's found in circles. What we need to do is have these connections and be intentional about these connections because the truth is we all need people to walk with. God's answer to loneliness is community. It really is. The second thing, you've taken notes, write this down. Number two, this is why community is so important. I need others not just to work, walk, walk with me, but to work with me. To work with me. You see, every single one of us has been gifted in an incredible way. You have some type of talent that I don't have. I have a talent that you don't have. And God, listen, in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10 tells us that we were created on purpose with a purpose. Put it up on the screen for you. Paul writes this, for we, everybody say we. For we, everybody say we. We. No, it's the different we. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. There's a purpose to do good works, which God prepared in advance for who? Us. That's a together word. That's not a just me word. That's a together word for us to do. See, God has some things for you to do specifically. Yes. Yes, you are God's handiwork. Yes. But the verse says us, that there's only some things that we can get done in this earth in his kingdom when we do it as us. When we do it together. Guys, you see, the one thing, it's one thing for you to say, I want to make a difference in the kingdom, but it's a different thing when you start to get smart and you say, I can't do this thing alone. I need to connect to him. And then we together need to connect to them. And then when we all get together and connect with you guys, then we can do way more than we could do just by ourselves. That's, I mean, this just makes sense. It's the difference between partnership and pioneering. Listen, I love pioneers, but pioneers do some hard work. It's just hard to plow that ground by yourself. It's difficult to do life by yourself. It's difficult when you start to do something on your own. Have you ever just tried to do something on your own, right? But listen, instead, why not try doing life and jump into the Deuteronomy principle that says if one can put a thousand to flight, then two can do what? Put 10,000 to flight. Listen, Two isn't twice as good as one. It's 10 times as good. When you start to make that connection, please understand that there are some things that you need to accomplish in this world, some things I need to accomplish in this world that we can't do apart, that we have to do. It can only happen when we come together. You will only be able to do it if you partner with somebody else. This third thing is you just don't need to walk with you don't just need to work with, but three, I need others to watch out me. Philippians chapter two, verse three, Paul writes, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others, value others, value others above yourselves, and not to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That's a very counterculture statement right there, guys. Because we're taught it's about me. I want it now. My money and I want it now. I want it my way. It's all about me. It's about my wants. It's about what I want to do. But Paul says, no, 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 no. That's a wrong mindset in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God. It's not you looking out for yourself. It's you looking out for 
others. Let me ask you a question. Right now, be honest. You don't have to, don't answer this out loud, but in your, in your heart, answer this question. Do you have people in your life that are looking out? Do you have relationships with somebody that is looking out for you in your life? Do you have people that have your back, people that are watching out for you, people that actually even have some uncomfortable conversations with you and call you on the carpet sometimes and tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, people that love you enough to talk to you, hey, you're going down the wrong path. Hey, stop. I love you. I want to talk to you about this. Is there somebody in your life that's watching out for you? Because I'm telling you, we need these relationships in our life. And I'll take that question a step further. Who are you watching out for? Because yes, the first part is kind of selfish, but we need it. Who's watching out for you? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Who's watching out for me? But the way that you get those people, who are you watching out for? Who are you pouring into? Who are you caring for? Because we need to watch out for others, not just for ourselves, but we need to be watching out for others. Listen, God has created community, and community is God's answer to defeat. Have you ever seen one of those neighborhood watch signs? Right? You've been in a neighborhood and you see the line says, neighbor, we got a neighborhood watch going on. Well, what are they saying? It just pretty much we're watching out for each other's stuff. Like, you better not get around my neighbor's stuff because I will find you out, Jack. Right? You tell your neighbor, hey, I'm going out of town for like a week. Can you check my mail? Can you watch my stuff so that it's gonna get stolen? And we're so, you know, concerned with possessions, but but how are we watching each other's back? In the church, that's what we're called to do. We're called to look out for one another. We're called to give each other the benefit of the doubt and protect one another, not just our stuff, but especially our relationships, and especially what's going on in our lives, what consumes us in our lives. Sometimes we make bad choices, and the consequences of those bad choices are, you know, destruction to, we talked about this the last series, the problem with sin is it leads to death. It just destroys everything that it comes in contact with. It's not a, a question of, you know, eternity. This has everything to do with now and what's going on. Do you have somebody in your life that's watching out for you that has your back in those areas? And the fourth thing, I got this from Rick Warren at Saddleback Church. Some of you guys know who I'm talking about. He's a pretty famous pastor, uh, pastors of mega church, and and uh, a couple years ago something happened very tragic to him. Uh, his he lost his son. What happened is his son own life. And I remember he he had this entire message that really spoke to me. Um, one of his points was this number four. I need others to wait and weep with me. This is something that's very, very important in community and that we do life together. That you find that you belong here and you find your family, but you know that we got your back, that we're working with you, we're walking with you. But at the same time, when you weep, we weep. When you hurt, we hurt. See, people shouldn't have to just wait alone. Wait 
potentially bad news alone? Have you ever had to do that before? Man, I've been a pastor for so long. I have been in so many waiting rooms and intensive care waiting rooms. And I remember years ago, one of our board members at a church I was pastoring, he calls me and he says, Pastor Kevin, really close. He said, Pastor Kevin, I need you in a hospital, in an emergency room that was 70 miles from me. I need you there right now because he was about 200 miles away from it. And what had happened is his daughter, 16 years old, 15 years old, um, she was the mascot for the football team and she was running and all of a sudden she just dropped down. They thought she was dead. Turned out she had a a um, brain tumor. Nobody knew about it. I mean, she was just this awesome, beautiful girl and uh, so smart, had such a great future. And uh, what happened is this, this brain tumor, it just exploded. Filling her, her, that whole skull up with blood and it was pressing, causing trauma to her brain and that's when she just fell out. And they, fly, they life flighted her to a hospital. And I got, and I've never drove my car so fast. Man, I drove as fast as I, I got there just minutes after the, the helicopter showed up. And I remember being there with the family, and they called it a medulloblastoma. And it's like if you've ever seen a, like a normal round tumor, it's like if they took one of those and somebody just went, and it just smashed into her brain. There was just legs and tentacles and just, this is the worst one that you can have. I remember waiting with that family and looking in that waiting room at all these families that didn't have anybody. And our church just came around this family. And we loved them and we waited with them and we prayed with them for days and days. I would be in her, her um, room, me and her dad would just, I would play the guitar and we would just sing praise songs and, and uh, you know, we had some amazing miracles that happened. Just that they actually removed the whole, whole thing. But I can tell you, um, that family didn't have to wait alone. They, they didn't have to weep alone. Just countless people that were in there that didn't have anybody. And I remember telling people, I can't imagine doing life alone. I, I remember saying, I can't imagine not having a church family. And, and it's just powerful. I remember when we found out that Kagan was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And our church family just came around us loved on us and just told us, man, we're praying and we're lifting you up and we don't have all the answers, but we have love and we'll love you. We'll be here for you, you know? And it helped us through all of the, um, since I've been here, been in the hospital with Kagan and just being in the hospital sucks, man. I hate it. And, and it's not so bad when you have your family showing up. Hey, sending you a message. Hey, just praying for you and your son. 
love you today. God's going to do great things in your life. Like, man, thank you. People show up and they bring flowers and they bring cake and treats and snacks and stuff. And, and before you know it, a whole day has gone by that you didn't worry. Right? And, and the, 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 the point of it is not that we have all the answers. The point of it is not that we have this magic wand where I, the all-seeing pastor of the church, can come in and make everything perfect. It don't work that way. The point is, we're there with you waiting. And we're there with you when you're weeping. Romans 12, verse 15. He said to this church, Rome, rejoice with those who rejoice. But also, weep those who may not be in a dilemma right now. You may not be facing a circumstance right now. But I would encourage you to be intentional about your relationships and be intentional about community. Because life just hits us all. And this isn't a gloom and doom sermon. But it just does, right? It does. And we need those type of relationships when those things happen. So let's invest in those things right now. If you are going through something right now, let us know. We can love you. Let us know. Communicate with us. Not so we can know your business. You don't have to give us all the details, but let us just come around you and love on you and weep with you and wait with you. Listen, that's what family is for. That's what we do, we come together and we love each other and then we're there for each other in the difficult times. Listen, God's answer to despair is found in community. And I ask the musicians to come up here with me and just close with this. This is my last point. We also need people, not just to walk with and to work with, and we don't just need people that watch out for us and people that wait and weep with us, but we also need people Number five, to witness with. See, Jesus himself taught us that there is an incredible way to show others the love of God. He says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. It sounded very familiar to you. And Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. Everybody say love. Now say one another. Give you, love one another. As I have loved you, that's how we're supposed to love one another. He says this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By this. By what? By how much you love me, your God. That's how they'll know. Is that what he said? No. How, what is this in that sentence? By this, they will know that you're my family. Is how we love each other. It's one thing to love God. It's the same thing to love each other. I, I know if I were to get into some conversations with some Christians, they would say the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
with all your soul. And then love your neighbor. And I would say, yeah, that's, that's recorded. But it's way simpler than that. Because one takes care of the other. If you're just really good in community at loving one another, people know that you love God. The other one takes care of itself. That's actually how you love God. That's how Jesus says we're going to change the world, showing your love for people. You see, we need people to witness with because if we're trying to do life on our own, who is it that we're loving? The only thing that changes the world is as we love each other, the one another's. That's how people can see that we're connected to Jesus. So we need community in order to live this abundant life. We need people to walk with. We need people to work with. We need people to watch our backs. We need people to wait and to weep with. But we also need people to witness with. And as I was going through all these today, if you found yourself just going, man, I just don't have one of those in my life right now, that's okay. There's no condemnation. The message is, we're saying that we want to be known for community. We believe that we thrive in community. We believe that us as the Exchange Church has not done a good job of that. And our heart is to move forward and pursue community even more. And we're asking you to partner with us. We're asking you to be intentional about seeking out these relationships, about finding somebody that you can walk with, somebody that you can work with, somebody that's got your back. So much they have your back that they'll talk to you about things that they see. They'll call you on the carpet and love, but at the same time, they'll show up when you're going through something that's hard and they'll wait with you and they'll weep with you and they'll show love to you and you'll show love to them and together you'll team up together and you'll love others. That's our heart. So to me, that's exciting. To me, that's, that's, that's a cause worth sacrificing for. Sacrificing time, sacrificing talent, sacrificing treasure.